May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. For some 15 years now, I have either been in school for or worked in jobs that involve communication. Back in 2002, I entered law school, and at law school, that's where you, in theory, learn knowledge of the law. But a lot of what you actually learn and study is focused on learning the language of the law and how to think about it. And for folks that want to be trial lawyers, you spend a lot of time thinking about how to communicate these strange legal ideas to an audience that has no day-to-day -day use of them. So you take classes that learn about how to do storytelling in front of groups. You also study characteristics and learn how to find out demographics about who your juror is going to be. You figure out how to craft questions to figure out what a juror might do with a particular argument or piece of evidence. And you figure out things that we can just kind of say might be generally true just by looking at somebody, knowing their job, whether they're married, how old they are, what gender they are, what race they are. And where I first started practicing, even what zip code they lived in could tell you a lot about how they might think about things. All of this was so that you could take this little bit of information you got about someone that could possibly be a juror in your case and craft your message into something that they might be able to hear on that given day and understand. It's not that the message would change depending on who was in the box, but how you would say it would change depending on the jury or the judge that you were in front of. Now, being a lawyer for a few years, in short order, led a call to ordain ministry. I'll leave it there. There may or may not have been a connection of being a lawyer and feeling uh, a need to repent and serve God, but there it is. And so I went through the process of discerning this call into going to a school for ministry for deacons, and again there, we got knowledge, right? We studied and learned about the Bible and about church history and about theology. And we learned the language of the church. And we also spent time learning about preaching and communicating to the folks that we were called on to serve in the church. And particularly for deacons, we were taught how do we take this crazy world that's outside of the church that is so full of hope and needs and yearnings and bring it into the doors of the church to where people could hear and understand what the world was crying out for. And at the time I went through, we also spent a lot of time talking about how the world was changing, how the church was changing, about how 
Facebook and the internet were changing how you communicated to your congregations. We learned that age and demographics were shifting in the church, not necessarily in the way that people wanted. The church was getting older, younger people were leaving. And so we spent a lot of time talking about how you took this information about your congregation and community you served and not change the message, but maybe change how you said the message. Now I work for the church full time as a communications coordinator, and I spend a ridiculous amount of time talking about messaging and audience and identifying the way that the gospel can be heard in this little part of God's church that Bishop Sloan likes to talk about. I look at Facebook statistics and statistics for who visits the website and who's getting the newsletter, and we work and take great care in figuring out the right way and the right time to say something to the people that are part of the Diocese of Alabama. So this morning, when I read the parable of the sower that Jesus gives us, I have to stop and chuckle a little bit to myself, right? Here is Jesus telling how he spreads the word of the kingdom, and there is no focus group, there is no survey monkey, there is nothing. He pays no attention to the goodness of the soil. He pays no attention to how well something might be prepared to receive it, no attention to demographics or Facebook statistics no attention to whether the place is deserving and ready. He just reaches his hand into a bag of seed, scoops it up full, and scatters the seeds to the wind. Story like this certainly makes me, a person 15 years in communication, wonder what all that schooling, worry, and anxiety have been about. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus' parables, right, his stories that he tells are designed to make us stop and question what we think we have figured out. It's genius what Jesus does. When I used to teach law students, now I taught at a state school, so I couldn't tell them to go read the Bible, but I would say you need to look at the stories that have last, and some of the best stories we have are from Jesus, because these parables we tell over and over and over again. And he uses the story to reach his followers, and by telling a story, which is something that they would be familiar with, they are able to hear what he says, but they might have to work a little hard at it. Mm -hmm. And the folks that are around them that maybe want to stop Jesus from teaching what he's teaching can't as easily figure out what's going on because when they walk past, they hear a guy talking about some questionable farming practices of just throwing seed out to the wind. These simple stories give us so many different levels of understanding to what Jesus is teaching us. These parables work today even though we are no longer farmers or shepherds or fishermen because Jesus is not just telling the story of a farmer or a shepherd or a fisherman but is telling the story of God. 
our first reading of the parable, we might be quick to take the position that we are the sowers, right? That's how I first read it that made me chuckle. And in that reading, the sower, who might be the preacher or the teacher or the evangelist, um, has his bag of seeds, and the seeds are the good news. And then there's another way to read it that maybe is a little bit more uncomfortable, and it's the one that Jesus more, most directly points us to. And in that reading, Jesus is the sower. The seeds are the word, the good news that he has offered. And we find ourselves somewhere out there in the dirt. Sometimes we hear the word while we're on a well-worn path and we think we know exactly where we are going and we can hear the call that Jesus offers to us, but we can't understand it. And all of our comings and goings and busyness, the word just can't take root in us. And so it is snatched away. Now, sometimes the word comes to us when we are in dark, hard, and rocky places, and we hear the good news, and we experience the joy, and we grab onto the joy that it brings us, but we don't go any further. So when the joy is a little less fun and hard times return, we suddenly fall away from the word. Sometimes the word finds us in the midst of the world following and doing everything that we're told that we are supposed to do. Getting good jobs, driving the best car we can, having the best home or house we can, having the best boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, the best clothes, the best shoes. And it finds us seeking success and comfort and wealth and in that noise, the word of the kingdom of God gets drowned out. Yes. But sometimes the word finds us as good soil. Not caught up in our comings and goings of our life. Not so lost in hard times that we will take anything that makes us feel better for a moment not chasing after the newest, best thing that the world tells us that we should buy. And here, the word digs in deep and puts down roots and pushes up to find sunlight. And it is here that we can follow Jesus' command to listen, to hear, and to understand the word as we receive it. And we can also hear this story with Jesus as the sower and us as the seeds and the soil being where we land. In this reading, we are reminded that we don't necessarily have control over where God is going to toss us and where we're going to find ourselves. But wherever we end up, the job is still the same. We are to work to take root, 
to share the word of the kingdom wherever we are planted. Sometimes it's easy. We end up in good, dark, rich soil with people that want to hear what we have to say. We hit the sweet spot, so to speak. But other times we may land in thorns and weeds and rocky places. And if you've ever been to camp and done the, the trail to the cross, it's a big loop. So you come down and and I always forget it's as long as it is, but you come down, you go across the sw swinging bridge, which doesn't always swing, but you can really give somebody a good time if you grab a hold of the sides and make it swing, right? And then you can go left or right or up a ladder, but then you come back around through like the creek gully, and there'll be these rock faces back from a way long time ago when there was actually a mountain there, right? And you'll see these trees that are on the very edge of the cliff, and you can stand underneath it, and I do, and I go, I have no idea how that tree is still there. But you look at its roots, and it has dug itself in, and it's twisted itself out to where it gets sunlight. And sometimes that's the kind of disciples that we have to be, because we find ourselves in a world on the edge of a cliff, and our job is to put down roots and to be still and to be there and to say, let anyone with ears listen, hear the word of the kingdom and understand. So this parable of the sower teaches us a lot. It warns us of difficult circumstances we may find both in ourselves and our life of faith and where we might be sent following and spreading the gospel. The story reminds us that the world is not designed for us to succeed. The message we tell is not the one that folks necessarily want to hear. There may be places where folks tune us out and push us out, but as disciples of Christ, we are thrown into the world again and again and again. But in the midst of this story, this cautionary tale, there is hope and assurance. While we in the church today do very well to be stewards of our time and our resources, we do well to research and learn about the communities that we serve and those that we are speaking to. We should use Facebook and podcasts and videos, and we should do all the studying and work to learn about the changing trends to make us better seeds or better sowers. The story reminds us that the journey that we are on is the overwhelming abundance of God's love and word. This is an abundance that is so great that we can be cast to the wind without really needing a study group or a map to figure out where we are going. The love and grace of God in Christ is so abundant that it's not dependent on how good the seed is or how rich the soil is. God's abundance and transformation can happen in the most unlikely of places as long as we trust in the Lord to send us.
God's abundance is so great that even if just a few seeds find good soil, even if just one person hears the word and is transformed, there will be fruit. And not just what we expect, right? So in that time, when you, when you sowed seeds into a field, if you were lucky, you maybe got sevenfold back for all of your work. But what Jesus tells us, that when we trust, when we are sent out, when we take the word with us, when we find that soil and take root, we don't just get what we expect. We get 10 times what we expect. We get 30, we get 60, we get 100 times what we could expect. We get more than what we could imagine if only we trust in the abundance and love and word of God. Amen. And so when we listen to Jesus, when we hear the word of the kingdom, when we understand it, we know that all we can do is bear fruit. All we can do is to be transformed so that we can be cast out again and again and again to be the seeds of the kingdom. Amen.